You're listening to the Epic All Day Podcast with Jim Simcoe. I'm here to help you make your life epic, so let's get rolling with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Epic All Day Podcast. This is Jim Simcoe. I am so excited to have my good friend, mentor, awesome, awesome dude, Tom Kelly in the in the studio today. How are you, Tom? I am fantastic, and that was quite an uh, introduction. Yes. No, did all right back. Well, you know, right, all right for back, one yeah. of my favorite people in the world, right? <laughs> like, even though, like, I don't necessarily see you all the time, you are by far one of my favorite people in the world. Tom is a, and I'll kind of get into the, he can tell his side of the story in a second, but I met, we met probably 12 years ago when you were running Soul of Yoga in Encinitas and my wife was going there for mommy and me mm-hmm. yoga classes before... I think right when, when she was pregnant with Kaya. So before Kaya had been born. So Tom is, uh, was a yoga or excuse me, was a yogi or is a yogi, was a monk for the self-realization fellowship for a number of years. I want to talk about that. He's also a surfer, huge yoga guy, football fanatic, and married to a gorgeous woman named Trish. So this, this Tom has, has like life wired in many aspects and is just a great shining example for me and other people as to ways you can live your life. So it is so great to have you here. Finally, tell everybody a little bit about yourself if you would. Well, those were all nice things, you know, but um, I've been involved just in spirituality yoga for so many years. I mean, 48 consistent years since I was 19 years old. And is that when you went to the ashram? No, no, that's when life blew up in college at the UCSB up in Santa Barbara. You went to Santa Barbara? Yeah. I didn't know that. Did you go there because you wanted to surf? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You you didn't even try and like, no, I wanted to get a good education. Yeah, that's why I went. No, I remember my dad took me to Berkeley, took me all all around and uh, to other colleges. And we got to the campus at Santa Barbara. I said, uh, oh, yeah, well, Pop, I Just drop me off here. (laughs) Just drop me off here. I'm good. I'll be back in two, four years. (laughs) Yeah. And when I saw that the dormitory I'd be living in was right on the point at Campus Point. So I just walked out. I thought, oh, "Oh, man, yeah. One of my living goals in life is to convince one of my daughters to go to that school. (laughs) Just so then then I have to convince my my wife that we have to live with our daughter or near our daughter during college. God, well, that would be so fantastic. Yeah. It looks so great up there. So it was on my second year there that, that all hell broke loose on the campus, you know, mm-hmm. the SDS and the, they say the, the communists coming down, they burned the bank of America down. So we had state police, martial law and uh, me being a surfer, you know, I'm going, wait, wait, wait a minute. And, they had, and if you got caught at dusk, Coming from the waves in your wetsuit, they will take you right down to jail overnight. So Seriously? That, yeah. Well, it kind of cut into my lifestyle. You know, man. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> right? bet. And then I started questioning other things like something. This isn't quite the picture I had in mind because it was a pretty serious situation. Right. And, you know, and then I ran into Autobiography Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. And mm-hmm. when I read that book, my life com- completely changed right then. So ever since then. Did you feel that viscerally? Like, did you feel that in your bones once you read that book? Oh, I feel like certain books you read and just like. You're just never the same. Well, after. it was even prior to the book because I remember I was a waiter at Chart House. You know, it was that those were the days of Chart House. I'm telling you, and there was one in Santa Barbara, right on, on the on the uh, downtown Santa Barbara, right, mm-hmm. right by the water. And uh, you know, all your you know, my surfer buddies were were, were waiters and busboys, and you know, we'd surf all day, and then we'd all want the night shift. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, of course, and, and to serve tables, and it was it was a great community. But I was 
I remember I had five plates in my arms, taking them to, to serve at a table, and I heard someone say the word for the first time in my life, Paramahansa Yogananda. And I li- literally, I froze. I mean, my feet wouldn't move anymore. I froze. I got shivers. And there was something about the vibration of the name. Or right. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. But that was my first introduction to Yogananda. Before wow. I even know he had a book, before I knew anything, was just the name. Wow. Yeah. So then the book was a no, everything was a no brainer after that. So tell me about that experience. So you read the book, you're in Santa Barbara. How do you get from Santa Barbara and reading the book down to living in the ashram? Well, yeah, if I put my head on that, I never would have made it down to the ashram. Okay. But my heart was involved from the get go. You know, it was Yogananda to me was just someone who's just loved love. He loved source. He loved God. He just loved Right. And it just it just triggered in me that that's all I really want. Right. I figured if I go for the big love, the source love, then I'm going to have all the love that I could ever imagine. Yeah. And I yeah, want, yeah. I wanted and you know along with college comes a, you know, another broken heart, you know, falling in love with somebody, yep. a broken heart. Yep. Yep. And yep, all yep. that combined was like I said I'm done with a broken heart, a human broken heart. Right. That's a truck going by for anybody who's listening in the background. <laughs> we don't usually get huge trucks rolling down the street, <laughs> well, but I find that whenever you're saying something important, a gigantic truck goes by. It's super loud. So (laughs) I think that's showing God has a sense of humor. So that and the martial law and me finding the book and dropping out of all my circles of friends, partiers and all that was, you know. Were you a big partier? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't picture this. This is great. I mean, is there any other way to party? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, really not. When you're 19. Oh, God, jeez. So, yeah, but all of that changed because of when I found the book and then I started the teachings and all that. But anyway, so my heart was engaged. And I, you know, last thing I thought about was being a monk. I never thought of that idea. Right. Although I must admit that somehow, even when I was a little Catholic boy growing up, I thought, well, what do you want to do? And people would ask me, I go, well, I, I'm going to be in a spirit. I'm going to be a priest. I'm going to, I, I'm going to be spiritual because that, that, that's the answers to me. Right. So even then there was the seed, the seed desire for that. But, you know, then you forget about it. But um, I just followed my heart and I uh, graduated from UCSB and I was working at the chart house, surfing every day and continuing that lifestyle. And But I was meditating. I was meditating regularly because Yogananda, that's his big thing is meditate, just meditate right. daily. And, uh, and, uh, and I kept getting a good relationship going with the divine. You right. know, what can I say? A personal relationship with and it inspired me to uh, move down to where there was an ashram and hang out and volunteer, which it wasn't something that was in my blood to go volunteer for free and just do hard labor every day. Right. That was my. And so once I got down to the Pacific Palisades Lake Shrine, do you know that? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And then I uh, started driving driving down from Santa Barbara to go go serve there on Saturday and offer my services on Sunday. Wow. And uh, and then, of course, I'd only do that if there was no surf. You know, that was my criteria was like, I'm going to go down, take the coast. If there's surf, I'll surf and I won't go down there to the – so you know how and, – and that's kind of really typical of once you start dabbling on a new dedication to something, a higher cause, a higher mm-hmm. purpose, a spiritual way of life, you know, you, you, you're let go of some things that you know aren't so good for you are, are minimal. Right. I mean, you're going to go, you know, like, I'll do a little of this, but I'm not letting go of that. Right, 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 right. 
So it's I a went, gradual process, right? Yeah, it's a human process. Right. It's, a, it's a human process. Human doesn't want to like, you know, give it all up, give up all what would be a worldly life kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, but I kept going and I kept serving down there, and I thought, wow, okay, on the on the on the, uh, why don't I just transfer? They're opening a new chart house in Westwood Village. I went, whoa, you know, Westwood Village, that'd be a great place. I'd be Fantastic. a head waiter. Yeah. I'd be a head waiter just going in. Sure. UCLA, great area. Right. And so, so we, got the, we got the whole place ready to go. And on the night before the opening night, the monk at, at, at the Lake Shrine, self-realization, called me and he said, listen, there is a, a position to be a resident, a resident cook, where you would cook for the monks. Wow. Did you know how to cook? No. Of course. No. And, and, and I said, well, that's, that's great. I'll, you know, let me think about it. He says, no, you have to decide tonight. I go, what? The, wow. What? You're calling me right now and wow. saying I have to decide tonight. I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow. And, I, and I've given him my word. He said, well, you have to decide tonight. Oh, oh anyway, my goodness. You know how it is once you, you know, there's a divine conspiracy going on. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. So I, I said, yes. And I don't know why. I mean, I didn't want to say yes. I, I wanted to work at the restaurant and take my time and whatever it was. But sure. Be a cooking, what I didn't know, for the monks, which I didn't know. But I said yes. So I had to go into the chart house the next day. And I remember the general manager was like this ex-Marine. Like, oh, my God, I got to tell this ex-Marine that I'm not going to be here for opening night. What do you say? And I'm telling him the story. I said, listen, I, I kind of said like, you know, I work at the chart house. I love it because of the community. It's just beautiful. But I found another community. It's a spiritual community. And I think I need to dedicate myself to that. And just blah, 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 blah. And I got to start there right away. And I can't, I'm really sorry, but he had tears in his eyes. Man. Oh, wow. He got my heart. He got my heart. He said, listen, I get you. If you ever need a job, come and see me. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. What a cool guy. What a really cool guy. But That's, I felt it was like the divine opening a, a door that sure. was really the right thing sure, to do. Sure, sure, sure. Wow. All right. So tell me about life at the ashram. Yeah. So, so doing Because how long were you there for? Well, at the Lake Shrine, I was there in 73 for about a year and a half cooking. Okay. And, just, and, and I slept in my car for a while. Didn't have, they didn't have a place for me. And then they finally gave me a little sliver of a room in the gift shop and, and that kind of thing. And I just worked my tail off. And then one day the monk said, now, listen, you're, you're already here. Why don't you consider being a monk? I went, what? <laughs> what? Really? He said, well, you're here. Yeah. You, you look happy. Yeah. Were you happy? Yeah. Because I must admit that the first time that I did a, a service there, I drove up. This is before I became the resident, but I drove down. I had a surfboard on a car, long hair, all bleached out from surfing. And I got out of my VW bug in the parking lot in 73. And one of the monks came up. He had a wheelbarrow full of rocks. And I said, uh, uh, can I help? He said, sure. Here's some Switzerland, big guy. He said, took off his gloves, gave me the wheelbarrow. Take it over to the other side of the lake. Okay. So there it was. I'm taking this wheelbarrow. Over to the other side, and I felt this wave of happiness come over me like I've never felt before. Ugh. And I had the the intuition was it because it was the first time in my friggin' life that I did something other than for me. Oh wow, that's cool. That's super cool. And I realized. That I was doing this because I was doing it for God. Let's say I was doing it for a higher, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't doing it for me, and I felt a lot of joy. 
Oh man, that's super cool. Yeah. That's so cool. So that experience and then hanging out and then the guy asked me, you want to be a monk? I said, what the heck at this point? Yeah. What the heck at this point? I know what other, other things that I could do and I could do them well in life and I could have a family and I wanted that and all that. And I kind of knew how that would go. Yeah. But I didn't know what I didn't know. Well, what would it be like to dedicate myself to truth? Yeah. That I didn't know. And there's something about me because I'm like an underdog guy. I always root for the underdog, you know? You got to root for the underdog. And I was like really the underdog on this because I say these things to you now, but I still had raging hormones. I still wanted to go out with women. I still wanted to, you know, have my cake and eat it too. Sure, sure. Of course. But there was something about the underdog in me that I did not know what could happen in my life if I dedicated it to truth. So I said, yeah, let's do it. So that was at the Pacific Palisades yeah. location. And then a year and a half later, I was finally approved because it took a while. There was a long waiting list. I was approved to enter the doors down here at Swami's, just down the street. Yeah, right down the street. Right like down a the half street. a mile from where we're sitting right now. It was uh, November 1st, right after Halloween in the morning in 1974. Wow. And then how long were you there for? Until November 1999. Wow. 25 big ones, baby. Black hole. Wow. Wow. World, the world went away. Well, it went away externally. I still definitely had a lot of temptations and all that stuff. And, you know, it's like it was a diff- most difficult thing that I could do. However, the things that I came in here to do in this lifetime, I know was to be not quite like my parents were, not quite like I saw everybody and so many unhappy people that I had to get in there and do boot camp. And get my you-know-what kicked Yep. so I could change some things, which I've come here to change. Wow. So 25 years, what was the, what was the, God, you know, it's the crazy thing about it's 25 years. I mean, I could, we could spend four hours just on that, but oh, yeah. I, but no, we what were some of the biggest lessons you learned about embarking on such a selfless journey? Well, I, I think that the main, well, there's, a, there's maybe a handful of main, main lessons, but I remember one. Because we're talking about, you're, we're talking about like, you're fully, de- when you're a monk, you're fully dedicating oh, yourself yeah. to, the, to that organization. Oh, yeah, we took vows and, of, of chastity. <clears throat> okay. We took vows of, of loyalty, obedience, and simplicity were our four vows. And that was serious. Uh, chari- uh, chastity. Chastity. I, can, I have a hard time even saying that word. Celibacy. Chastity, celibacy, same thing. Obedience. Mm-hmm. which I think are some in other traditions too. Sure. Simplicity and loyalty. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, I mean, and Yogananda, I can, I can testify to his ashrams. They are just no messing around. In fact, the very second day I was there, uh, I realized I got myself into the big leagues of spirituality. There was no messing around. Right. I could tell because there's, you start with about 14, 15 other monks. Oh, you do? Okay. So yeah, you start yeah. with a class. Oh, yeah. Like you, you're, it's called a postulate ashram before you even become a novice monk. You're just in a postulancy with these other guys. And I thought these guys, they, they're playing hardball, man. They're playing like big leagues, you know, like everyone's trying to out. It seemed to me because I was a little judgmental. Everyone's trying to outdo the other guy and being a, a good guy, a right. better guy. Right, 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 right. And uh, I'm going, oh, man, really? <laughs> wait a minute really, i want to serve really yeah i mean all right so but before i answer your question on the big lesson or one of them on the 
Third day, I went out on a Friday. On Sunday, I was ready to leave. Really? Oh, yeah. You were just like, wait a minute. This is what am I getting? I freaked out. The, 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 when I got there and I had a room right on Swami's Park. Right. Oh, my goodness. And I remember when I walked into the room, I'm looking down to park. But, but, but in, you know, like that, when I had the wheelbarrow and I got that big hit of, of, of that selfless love that came over me. And, uh, and I looked out. I said, this, I'm home. Right. I'm home. But my whole journey had been, I've been in my heart. I, I did this because of this interior love and I, this need to get close to the truth. And, uh, and then when the door shut behind me, then my ego finally stepped forward. Right. And my mind freaked out. Wow. Wow. And it continued to freak out for years. Really? Yeah. But, but some, you stuck with it though. Yeah, and that's why the underdog can. I'm an underdog guy. Yeah, there's no reason I could have stayed there. There wasn't. I was ready to leave. Literally, I was leaving that Sunday, and I was in the kitchen. I hadn't met the main, what they call the house brother, the main monk in charge. Right. The new monks. Right. You had or you had not. I had not. Okay. And I was in the kitchen, and I had because uh, I took my own wheels. I took my own car there, and there was a monk who was going to drive my car back to Lake Shrine, and my, my sister was going to get it from there. So I had my car, but I think I my subconscious, my mind, hey, I needed a back door, man, just yeah, in case, just you know? in case, just. And also, what I brought in, you weren't supposed to take in any electronics. Of course, back then, the electronics was a was a little radio. Like a little hand, little, you know, those yeah, yeah, sure. radio, like sure, a little sure. radio. And I did that just to hear a sport game every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> so I hid it in my suitcase. Man. Oh, that's well, so funny. In case the times get tough there. You never know. Oh, yeah. and, uh, so I had the car there, but I, anyway, so he come in and the first thing he said to me, he looked at me right in the eye and said, why are you thinking of leaving? Really? So he knew? Well, he knew. But then the way I thought in those days was like, oh, God, they read minds here. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of freaked me out. Yeah, you think? Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so. I was pretty sure the only person who knew how to read my mind was my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And and so I said, how do you know? He says, written all over your face. Wow. All over your face. He's kind of calling you on your shit right away, huh? Yeah. Well, this guy saved my, my butt for, for 18 years. Then he died. He was, he was my counselor. And mm. if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have stayed there but the three days. Wow. So he sat me down. I said, listen, before you, you head out, and I know you are, I just, well, well, let's have a little chat. I said, fine. So but basically he said an argument that I couldn't, I couldn't refute. He said, look, you waited a year and a half to get here. Give us one year. Just give us one year. And at the end of that year, we'll review the situation and we'll see if you're happier. Mm-hmm. Oh. Not, you go. Yeah. Dang, I couldn't. It's hard to argue with that ah. logic, right? Oh, he had me, man. Yeah, that's that's a tough. Yeah, he was from Czechoslovakia, an international lawyer. He was a, a a world accomplished musician. He he solo climbed mountains in Europe that still today no one has climbed. He was like one of he was the like Renaissance man, and just this this gift of God to me, really. So uh, so I said, okay, I'm here. So, but okay, here's the lesson. One of them. Yeah. I kind of grew up well-to-do family, got my way, got anything I wanted. Yeah. Got the girls, got whatever. Right. And I wasn't getting one bit of attention there. Not one. Really? No, okay. Not one bit of attention. And you think you go in there and you're special, you're going to be specially treated. You're, <laughs> you're going to sure. get the boot camp, man. And, uh, 
it drove me crazy. You know, I think it was Oscar Wilde said, there's only one thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Is not about. being talked about, right. And so I saw this monk who was in charge disciplining one of the young men who was making an omelet because this guy was an accomplished cook. So we learned how to, how to cook there. And, uh, and the, the guy was not concentrating. So the monk hit him at the spiritual eye point. Bang! I was watching. And, you know, I actually felt I wish that he would do that to me. Oh, really? Anything. Anything to get to show that I'm, al- I'm, I'm here. I'm here, people. I'm yeah. here. Pay attention Any to me. Kind of, yeah, pay attention, pay to, attention me. to me, please. Anything. Hit me. Do anything. Yell. Tell me I'm whatever. Right. Would be better than the treatment that I was getting, which was no treatment. Right. So I went to him soon after. I said, sir, why don't you hit me? Why don't you give me any attention? And this is the the famous four or five words, whatever it was. He said, you, my boy, get it. Wow. By not getting it. Wow. You get it by not getting it. Oh, man. No. This this guy had an answer for everything. His wisdom. Yeah. He had intuition. And he treated everyone, everyone uniquely, uh, just according to them. He didn't sure. just throw us all in a lump and then this is the way. No. Right. So he got me. And another thing he said soon after, I said, with you, my boy, I have to put on some kid gloves. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because he knew how sensitive I, I was, how flammable I was, how yeah. like if it wasn't handled just right, I'm gone. Right. That's interesting. He was way more. And I think that this is a thing in life that we see sometimes is like, he, based on what you're saying, it sounds like he was way more invested in you than you even knew about. And I find that like people in my life, or I see other people like that, like we have a lot of people around us who are way more invested in our success and and who we are as people than we think. Like I was talking, to, I was messaging back and forth with somebody yesterday on Facebook and um, she had said that she had read my book and she's like, you know, we think, you know, my husband and I think about you often. We really like the book and you know, whatever. And, and like, I would have never known that would have never in a billion years thought that about this specific couple. Like I would not, I just wouldn't have thought that, but it's a perfect example of someone who's invested in you. Nice. Like even when you don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, cool. So what are the lessons that you learned? Yeah. There? Well, and you raised the bar on that. That's, that's, and I think you're referring to people and all that, but you, you know, now take that times a trillion man. And if you believe in a source or a higher power, Right. Take that now and know how much you're loved. Yeah. How much? Well, and I think that's the beauty of you because I've known you for, you know, 12 and a half years now. And um, you are a guy who embodies love. And you, it's written all over your face every day. Every time I've, every time I've seen you, every time we've talked, every time I've been in one of your classes or been in one of your soul talks, when you did them, anytime I've been at your house, like you just do. And certain people get it and they tend to have happier lives because they get it. And lots of people just don't, Yeah, you know? And so, I mean, I guess I'm curious about that. And we're, I know we're switching topics back and forth, but that's all right. But like, why do you think that is like, why, or, or how can people get, bring that into their lives? Like, because you sort of have a reverence for life and everything you seem to be doing you seem to really enjoy doing, and I'm sure you have, you know, bad days and mm-hmm. tough moments or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the times I've yeah. seen you, you, you're kind of grooving. 
Well, I think it does tie into what we're, what we were talking about, about um, how that lesson you get it by not getting it has proved to be one of the, the biggest portals into my true nature as a soul. You could call it soul self um, because that continued and it continues even to this day mm-hmm. that what I think I want isn't necessarily maybe the highest and the best according to the, the divine wisdom. Sure. And so there's a lot of things that I would like to have happen in my life that don't. And that has proved to be one of the greatest blessings of my life. Why? Because in an ashram, especially once I was there <clears throat> and after that first year, I was happier. The second year I was happier. So I said, okay, I'm in. I'm in. I don't care what I'm going through. This is the true hardest thing I could possibly be doing to be changing myself yeah. in the way I need to change. If I'm going to be harmonious in this environment here um, was the fact that because I wasn't getting what my little selfish needs were and my old patterns wanted, what recourse did I have? Luckily for me, yeah, I could, uh, you throw yourself into service there, but that isn't that wasn't what I went there for. That's a natural. That's that's like the fruit of a of a tree. But I went there for the tree. I went there to 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 be the source of that tree. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is that I had no other place to turn but to the source of me. To go I, up. Yeah, to God. I to to, to the to, to the truth. What I was seeking. You had to let go of your selfish side. I, I, selfish I, self. You had to. You didn't have a choice. I had to. I had no choice. And I put myself. Because we create our lives. I put myself in a situation where I had, I had no other options. Yeah. And so I had to take that energy from all these things that are frustrating me and channel it. You know, that's called alchemy or transmutation. Right. And I channeled it into more love because the love was what I came there for. That's the purpose of my existence, for more love. And so with love, I w- I'm able to do anything and I'll sacrifice anything for love. Well, love yeah. does that, right? You do yeah, anything for your family, anything for your children, anytime, anywhere, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. So that's why I, I committed myself to this deep interior life with, with source and, and meditation. We meditated three to six hours a day. Yeah, take take me through it, you know, because I don't know if everyone knows what living in an ashram, ashram's like, but take me through a, a typical day. What's a tip not not a not a day, not a Sunday where you're having services, right. but like a, just a typical day. Take Well, a typical day, first of all, there's Tuesday. This, this, there's this practice of silence mostly. So, till 8 a.m. in the morning silence. At, at 8 a.m. at night silence. You eat meals in silence. Sunday is all day silence and you drive in silence. Wow. So there's this 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 in in in, in this is embedded in the life is silence which is unbelievably sweet if you give yourself an opportunity to go on a silent retreat yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, but we, we get up, there'd be a gong that t- wake us up five thirty in the morning. Typically we get up and we have our individual meditations and clean up until 7.00 AM. And at 7.00 AM you met in a group where you had, we had group uh, energizing exercises that Yogananda taught and then a, a group meditation. And then, so by eight o'clock, you know, from 5.30 to 8 is mostly meditation. So how many hours of meditation have you done before 8 a.m. by that point usually? I would at least do an hour. Wow. <clears throat> then, the, then the group meditation is 45 minutes. So just routinely, hour and 45 minutes before the start of the day. 
That's amazing. Right. That's so amazing. It, it, it is amazing. Most people, myself included, can't meditate for five minutes without being like, I got to do something. Like, right. What's going on? And, and that's okay because five minutes or even two minutes, what I have learned in all of that, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of meditation, really three to six hours a day for 25 years. Yeah. Do the math. I mean, that's got to be thousands, right? Right. That's, in, that's, that's, an, in, that's an insane. And amount. I'm still meditating to this day. Yeah. But what I've learned from all of that, that you don't just meditate to meditate or, or you, if you want to have the fast track, that it's all about heart, number one. It's all about love. So you get in there and even two minutes, just maybe just witnessing the breath or breathing deeply, but you're there to open your heart to receive love and you're there to open your heart to, to give love. Right. But if you, if you do that with breathing, so you're following the breath in and out, but you have a desire, your intention, Right. this is about love. This is about the big love, about the love I have for family, about love, just love. Right. That... Do it for two minutes or one minute with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. You will have meditated as deep as you would if you struggled for an hour. Yeah. Or deeper. Well, I remember uh, uh, maybe, uh, I think it was 10 years ago when I had first started trying to do any kind of meditation at all. You told me once, you said, just just get get three good breaths. Make it three good breaths. If you could do three good breaths, like start there. And I, and I still think about that. I still like in times when like, you know, if I can't meditate or whatever, um, I always think of that you and know? I'll be driving and I'll be like, and I, I, I did this kind of uh, interesting thing. I put, um, I got these really small red stickers, like, you know, you go to Staples and they have like these little labels, right? So I have these little labels that are like maybe the size of a pencil eraser. And I have red ones and I put them in different parts of my life. So you can't really see them unless you're looking for them, but I have one on my dashboard, my car. So when I go in and I look at it, it reminds me to like take a breath and to meditate. And I have one like on my, you know, my bathroom mirror. I've got one on my computer. I've got one just kind of different parts of my life just as a reminder when I'm doing it. And because, and it's all based on your thing of like, you know, just get three good breaths in. Well, and, and if you or or three good breaths and then, then when you remember it, that's another three breaths. And they be right. like pearls that you have throughout the day. You see how many pearls of three breaths that you, and you have a necklace you wear at the end of the day. Right. That's quite an accomplishment. That that's, that's a lot of moments of being in the gap, so to speak, or in this, in this moment where you can tune into a higher energy right, right, right. And, 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 and higher love and all that beautiful stuff. So yeah, I'm sorry. I, and I cut you off. So tell me, no, but, so eight o'clock in the morning, but, what'd you do? But, but no, we're, we're onto something. And I think it's worth this point. And that, that is that, um, that moment that you have with sincerity in your heart, when it can get down to like your rock bottom. So like, we all know none of us are going to get off this planet alive. Right. We all know that at any moment, things can be way different in our life. Yes. Yet we live life like that's not going to happen. Yes. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to think about it. No. Lord, Lord Buddha says to think you have tomorrow is the greatest illusion you have. So there's something about the three breasts, since we're on the three breast topic, when you can get down to these are your three last oh. breasts, you are on the brink of truly knowing how to live. Because you have to face what it is that's important for you or whatever. Right. Your demons or whatever. But at least you'll have... Three moments of truth in three breaths. 
Yeah. Or you're down to, oh my God, that is how we need to live our life. That is how we need to get into more and more of. So to me, it's just like, that's why I meditate now shorter than those long hours, because those long hours can really put you in a wrong habit of meditation. If really? Your mind, and your mind's wandering. Yeah, which mine always does. Like, in, you know, at times I've meditated try, or tried to meditate long periods of time, my mind's wandering almost the entire time. Right. And most people live in their minds anyway. So if you can't sit down and concentrate your mind for a few minutes, then you live in your mind, not your heart. Yeah. Source watches the heart. So what we're talking is how to get, I call it, there's a party going on down the street from your mind. <laughs> there's a heart party going on in your heart if right. you want to go there, right? So it's really get how to get out of your head and into your heart. Right. Because all is love and source only watches the heart anyway. It doesn't care about anything else. Just watching your heart. So really, when we can get down to our bottom line and have a relationship developing around source, because I think we I mean, I, I definitely want want to be as close to source as I can when I leave the body so that I'm with source in a high dimension on the other side. Sure. Because that's where the retirement is, right? <laughs> Temporary. Right. If you believe in reincarnation, right. you come back again to learn some more. But I'm telling you now, this is just a, it's a, it's the key thing that I think I've learned from not getting anything and being urgent, urgent in, in my meditations is that when you give it your all, you know, what is a hero? But a hero is someone who's going to give it his all or her all, but then grows into the truth that I am the all. I am the all-powerful self anyway. But I can't learn that until I can give it an all in one minute or in run breath. Give it all back to the all. My yeah. life is going somewhere when I leave this body. Yes. I know that there's going to be a part of me that, that's going to be wide awake, consciousness or whatever, when I leave this body. So I know there's no death. I know it. So why don't we get used to that, that the eternity that we live in and around by giving it our all, like the urgencies of three last breaths and draw closer and closer to the big love and the truth that we are in. Mean it, you know, the sincerity of that. And that's, that's all I teach now, really. I don't, I'm not going to teach anyone like a method of meditation except what I just taught you. Yeah. One minute, a minute here, a minute there. That I like really, the concept of if like, if you give a minute, <clears throat> you do a minute in the morning, you do try to do a couple minutes in the afternoon, you cut, you start wearing them like a necklace around you for the day. That's really cool. It's kind of a cool thing. It's a cool way to look at it because if you're, because it kind of unifies everything together and like now you've got this, you know, this protective necklace almost that, that you're now wearing because you were able to commit, you know, 10 minutes of your day to doing this. Cause I think the thing I think people have a hard time with yeah. myself included is to sit down and do it for 10 minutes. Seems incredibly difficult to give you three breaths. Not a problem. Doable. Yeah. As Doable. soon as you walk out of this office, you know, when we're done here and before I go to, you know, wherever I'm going next, I'll take three breaths and I'll chill out. That's easy. Yeah. But I don't know that I'd be able to, you know, just be able to just drop everything and meditate for no, 25 minutes, but three breaths. And so, but doing that, you're going to find a natural kind of a, you'll want it. You'll like it. You'll find some secret energy and, and secret something happening from yeah. the inside to the outside of you. Yeah. And plus which, what, what makes that necklace invaluable is that there's a, you can't buy this stuff. You can't get it from world. 
You can't get these invaluable moments because you forget, Jim. Your kids love to see you. Your wife loves to see you. You love to see them. Now, again, I just refer to the big love, the divine love, or whatever you want to call it. You give that divine lover one minute of your time, one minute of your time, and with heart, like, like an I love you. I love you. To, to love itself. Right. Where did it come from? Right. You say it to the source. Now you have the true value of life. Now you have what it means to be urgent for the purpose of your life because it's these pearls. This is what you take with you, dude. You don't take anything else with you. Yeah. Unless you have, you know, of course, you take your bad habits and all that stuff. That's why you come back and you have to work on your bad habits again. But when you have the value, these moments of value, the value far outweighs these things of lesser, unreal, not really. Do you think that, that you. do you think that that's something along those lines? Do you think that that's something in life a lot of people miss is they don't they don't appreciate or understand the urgency of life and how like if you're you know like if you're putting something off or you're just, you know, they just sort of accept where life is. Well, there's, there's no group. There's no, absolutely. That, that there is. And that is not to be taken personal because the ego and the personality and the emotions want to take it personally. That's sure. something screwed up with me or don't tell me what to do or and all that's that, that right, ego right, right, right. stuff, not it because there's a great veil. There's a great Maya. There's a great delusion on everyone, which gets us forgetting forgetting that this is urgency and we're caught up in the exterior. Right. So it's a big game. It's a big gigantic game between the dark side and the light side. This universe is right. So absolutely that, that people walk around like we're walking dead. Like we think we're living, but we're really the walking dead because we're not alive to the urgency and the preciousness of each moment and of each day. And Use, the real and, value. Of yeah. It. And what you, I think what's interesting is what you just said. There's a, there's kind of a difference between living and being alive. Yeah. Right. Like there's a huge difference between the two. Yeah. Like when you're living, you're just kind of cruising. Yeah. And you know, maybe you don't notice things and you're, you're you might not be tremendously unhappy, but you're also not like bubbling with the happiness that, that you seem to, to bubble with on a regular basis or, well, so like, it all comes from, from more value, more value each day, more urgency each day so that the value is there and the value is the happiness. The value is the joy. It is the faith. It is the connection. That's something really powerful. So those are the things that you think about on a regular basis. That's my life. That's so but cool. see, it's a hero's journey, dude. You wrote a book about being yeah. a hero. Yeah, now, yeah. Any, any book on a hero is going to talk about the hero's got to go through hell and high water. It's yep. got to go through every challenge and yep. situation because a hero is someone who is, has conquered his, his or her own nature yep. and has risen above the fray. Right. Right. And it's, it's, that's why by not getting it, I have learned the path of the hero because there's not like, you know, you don't have the applause when you went out on resisting a negative comment. You don't have people going, dude, yeah, touchdown. Right. Yeah. 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 You don't get any of that. But see, that's what makes the, the hero powerful is because now life doesn't, he doesn't depend on situations of life. He doesn't need things to go a certain way for him to He's hero goody. up. Yeah, they're good either way. To hero up. He heroes up anyway. And especially when there is no applause, there's no adulations, there's no like, great job, man, because that's the training of the hero. The hero heroes up because it's the right thing to do, because it's his true nature. 
And that's probably one of the greatest, greatest values I have until you are, you know, you are just connected. You're connected to the truth. You're connected to all that is. And then yeah. what? It doesn't, nothing matters. The role you play, what happens, good or bad, win or lose, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's the hero. He's transcended the Maya or the delusion and has connected to his true, powerful self. Wow. That's such a, that's such a cool way to describe it. That's such a cool, it's a pretty cool thing. What, what advice would you give to people who feel lost or stuck in their lives or, you know, aren't, aren't, or who aren't connected? What can people do? Well, that's just like not because not ev- because not everyone is you know people all over the world will listen in, and not everyone has a Tom Kelly right next to them that you know can give them this kind of advice on a regular basis. Well, I am available. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> I am available we'll talk about online. That. But listen, <laughs> no, it's the same thing, man. So, how much suffering do do we need to go through? How 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 much wisdom do you need to have to understand this world? It's, it's changing every day. Anything sure. can happen to you at any given moment. There's death. There's horrible things happening on the planet. There's suffering. There's this, this thing. So, well, what do you do? Well, I, I, here's what you do. I talk about now a lot lately about there's the how babies and the, and the why babies, meaning that there's always people saying, well, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And then the why people, why, 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 why? No, you need to be a cry baby. A cry baby is a hero. Meaning that you you don't get it, man. Life isn't going. You you think you're 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 like all screwed up, and no one else is, and the, and you got this pity party going on, and you're the victim. Well, how much more of that do you need to go through to suffer till you realize you got to get down on bended knee and bow your head and call out to some power greater than you? Yeah. What do you need for that, my friend? What do you need? But you're not going to get any pity from me. That's for sure. Or, or any kind of like, oh, stroking the ego on that. We are all choosing our fate. We are all creating our life. And this is, power of delusion is such that we are going to, if we choose to just continue to forget, forget the real value, as we talked about, Jim, that, and the real pearls and the preciousness of life and the sacredness of life, we're going to get pounded and we're going to suffer to the point where invariably every single one of us, like me, because that's where I I was in the ashram for many years after I said yes, I was devastatedly depressed, devastatedly depressed. And yet in that depression was the greatest opportunity I ever found in my life because I wasn't going to run. I wasn't going to run from the fight this time around. I wasn't going to run. Now I don't care what. So I had to turn to my higher power and cry my, my heart out and ask for help. Look at your recovery program in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. The first step is to admit you're defeated. Now yes. we're, we're defeated every day by our, our bad habits. We're defeated every day by the, our minds not being able to concentrate. We don't. We might not admit it. But in AA, when you had alcohol has defeated you, you admit it. Yeah. And we're on a recovery to wake up. Right. We're, 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 we're like not just alcohol, but ignorance. <laughs> so the same thing. You admit, yeah, I'm defeated. I'm done. I'm cooked. I, I, Lord, I, I, I can't operate anymore. And really, when you do that, that's kind of that you, ha- you almost have to do that to start building yourself back up. There it is, man. The, the, the hero starts from there. Every hero starts from there. 
complete, complete breakdown, complete break, breakdown, knowing that that your way of doing it, ego's way of doing it, the world cannot do it for you. No one cannot. You came alone into this world. We're alone, really, even with families and friends. Sure. And one day soon, we're going to be alone again when we depart from this world. Yeah. Yogananda had a great quote. He said, when you came into this world, everyone was smiling and you were crying. So live your life that when you leave this world, you are laughing and everyone's crying. Oh, that's so cool. The hero. My grandfather used to say, um, so my grandfather was a mailman in the Bronx in New York for like 45 years. He died when I was young. I think I was in high school when he died, but he was the kind of guy. Anytime you saw him walk in a room, the room was just better. You know, kind of like my grandma. The room was just better when they came in the door. And when they left the room, you were legitimately bummed. That their presence left. Yep. Like Artie's leaving, you know, Kitsy's leaving. It's, it's a bummer. Right? And he, he taught me that like early in my life. He, he basically said, be somebody who, when you leave, people are bummed. You know, they're happy to see you and they're bummed to see you go. And I, I don't even know who said that originally, but he was the very yeah. first person to tell me that. And I always thought about that, about him. And then also about life, like, wow, if I could have my life like that, when people are genuinely stoked to see me and when I leave, like they're genuinely kind of bummed like that, that's probably a pretty good life. I've made some good choices in that. Right. I mean, it's, there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's other things to life, but I mean, there's that, that to me was like a good litmus test of like how to live. There it is, man. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, and I think that the concept of the Kiro we talk about this a lot and it, you know, in the event that we're doing that you're speaking at, which I'm so excited that you're going to be speaking at it. Um, we're going to go through this, but like, I really do believe that, you know, everyone has an inherent hero within them. It's our job to bring them out. It's our job to, yeah. you know, have them, um, have them reveal themselves. And I think that that's the, that's the biggest key. And I think that um, if you're able to do that, you know, that's when you get to really the sweet mana of life and just everything becomes, just becomes even more fun than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, I know we ran late, but, uh, that's typical. This is when un- we get yeah, together, man. And we haven't even talked, we haven't even talked about surfing. Nothing. We haven't talked about the Super Nothing. Bowl, Nothing. but, uh, we'll have to do that. We will do this again, but, um, Tom is going to be speaking at our event. At our Hero Up event in November, you can check it out at HeroUpSummit.com. Thank you so much for being here. You're just like the best, man. You are, you are uh, such a shining light, such a great example for the world. And I'm just honored to be in your presence. Just honored to call you a friend. Well, Jim, just as we sit here now in this present moment, that the, the the light that's in your eyes and smile on your face <laughs> and right here, this is this is value. Oh. This is what we're talking about, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes. And thank you guys all for checking out the show. I will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for checking out the show today. For show notes, event updates, and tons of other free stuff, check out epicalday.com. And if you would, I would love it if you were able to leave a review on iTunes, as this really helps other people find our show. Thanks a ton. I appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you soon.